Thank you, church, for being here. It is a great sight to see you as one instead of divided into two services. This is unusual. I thank you for your willingness to be flexible and come at a different time this morning. As you know, my preaching is all about the gospel. Today will be a tad different, but the gospel reigns supreme in everything that's said this morning. This is an important Sunday for our church. To our guests, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I hope that you heard about the time change and that you didn't show up early or late. If you did, our apologies. But next Sunday morning, our time schedule will return to 8.30 worship, 9.45 Sunday school, and 11 o'clock worship. My heart is filled with joy this morning as I reflect upon the possibilities of what we will discuss for the next few minutes. Two weeks ago today, just before I boarded a plane uh, to Haiti, I shared with you what I would be talking about this morning. By the way, Haiti was incredible. 200 pastors from all over the island came to the, to the hill country, to the mountains, and there we had the joy of, of teaching for a week, and it was sheer exhilaration. I'm glad to be home, but I was so glad to have those days with those precious Haitian pastors. By the way, I preached a week ago today in Iglesia Gape, and the church has over a thousand people in attendance. Uh, they've only been in existence for four years. Remarkable growth. And our services were at 6 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. So really, by this time last Sunday, I was done. My feet were propped up. They have to meet early because they don't have air conditioning, and if they wait to normal church time like we have here, it would be almost unbearable. But what a joyous experience. Well, I did share with you what I'd be talking about today, but as I returned home, I was amazed at how many either weren't here on that Sunday or just maybe weren't listening real carefully because there have been all kinds of rumors about what I was going to say uh, today. Uh, including that I would announce my retirement today. <laughs> Hi, choir. <laughs> we haven't done this in years. It's great to see you. I'll try to remember you're back here and turn around from, from time to time. When I announce my retirement, we will not alter the church schedule for me to do that. <laughs> so that's not what this is all about. We have a mission statement that is very important to us. Knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. I know that you can share it with me. It's really easy. It's knowing, serving, sharing. Jesus is the word in the middle. That's what it's all about. And then the words at the end are intimately, passionately, and globally. So I know you can say it with me. So let's do it together. Knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, 
sharing Jesus globally. And that's our mission statement. And it is really, really important to us as a church. We are in an an important season at First Baptist Belton. So allow me to set the table for what I'm going to say to you this morning. And I'll begin with this so that we know what we're facing. Humanly speaking, what I am about to describe cannot be done. Now that we've got that in our mind, we remember that we love and we worship a great God. And if we know His leading and we follow His leading, He will accomplish what He desires. And when it is done, we will know that God did it for His glory. Man didn't do it, but God did it. A year ago, we made a decision as a church that we were going to become a church planting congregation. It's not that we haven't planted churches in the past, but this is different because it is our desire that it become a habit. So a year from now, we'll be launching a new church here in Bell County. And why are we doing that? Well, the simple answer is that people need Jesus in Bell County. And it has been proven that church plants and new church starts are very effective at reaching the lost for Christ. So we're going to ask everyone to pray, everyone to give, and for some of you to prayerfully consider going and being part of the church plant. And there'll be more on that. Next Sunday and in the days to come and following the launch of that church about a year from now, we will then transition to focus our attention on planting churches in what our North American Mission Board calls send, that's S-E-N-D, send cities around the country. And we already have a target on the first city, and if you've been listening real carefully over the last year, you probably know what that city is, and we had college students to go there at spring break to work and to serve. So if that jogs your memory, then the city is called New Orleans. Now, we are in the middle of the fifth year of our spiritual vision plan. Three consecutive spiritual vision plans under which we have operated. Much has been accomplished in this third spiritual vision plan in the area of discipleship, Sunday school, Bible study, life groups, and in the area of missions. A very large component of this current spiritual vision plan is the facilities master plan and our property management committee, the elders and the staff have been working now for over two and a half years on this facilities master plan. It is critical. It is critical to address our aging infrastructure. We have buildings on our campus ranging from construction dates from 1948 all the way to 2007, plus 
outlying buildings and properties and, of course, parking. Currently, our facilities have been pieced together over 70 years in time. Our space is limited and it is not flexible. For instance, we have currently in our children's area a small number of classrooms that are available for someone to meet there. However, those classrooms are designed for children, not for adults or college students or youth. The areas of our church that need more space right now, we have no flexibility to relocate them. And lest we forget, I want to remind you that the largest adult Sunday school department in our church currently does not meet on our campus. There's no room for them or for you who are in that department. They meet at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And we are so grateful to President O'Rear and to the university for allowing this Sunday school department to meet there. Our gymnasium as part of our Family Life Center, is used beyond its limits and capacity. It is used seven days a week, most weeks. In fact, my family and I were there yesterday for an event in the Family Life Center in the gym. And its heavy usage has limited our abilities in some of our successful ministries like Upward Basketball and for our special needs buddy ball and buddy cheer. We have accessibility issues all across our campus. For those who are mobility impaired, for many of our seniors, we have serious accessibility issues. And it grieves me to share with you that we have even lost several senior members of our church in the last year who have finally given up on trying to get into our buildings on Sundays and have moved to churches where they can pull right up to the front door and walk right in. And I don't want to lose any more. Over the last two and a half years, the property management committee, the elders, and the church staff have been working with our architects to come up with a facilities master plan. We have run into one difficulty after another, one roadblock after another. It has been, in a word, frustrating. We finally were able to present a plan to the church in business conference months ago that was not a final plan, but at least a step in what we thought was the right direction that would involve remodeling and some building expansion over a period of time that would give us some new needed space. And as you may remember, the cost of that space, as it is estimated now for the remodeling in the new space, is somewhere in excess of $30 million, more in the range of about 32 to $34 million over a period of time. And in all of our books, that is very, very expensive. Now, let me move to the past for a moment, two years. As the property management committee and the elders began their work on this facilities master plan, there were those on the property management 
committee who said we ought to consider seriously a relocation of the church instead of trying to continue to fix things here, remodel and expand with limited space and and almost landlocked. I was opposed to that because I like our location. And so I said, I, I don't think we should do that. Plus, I don't think anybody, there's no one who would buy our church facilities in a way that would allow us to make a move. Well, as we talked, we concluded that there might be one institution dear to our hearts that might consider purchasing the church, and that would be the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. So the property management committee dispatched me for a visit to the president of the university to ask if there might be any possibility that the university would would want First Baptist facilities. Dr. O'Rear was extremely gracious and pray, said he would pray about it and get back with me in, in a week or two. And uh, he did call me in about a week and a half. And he said, no, uh, the university would not be interested in your property. You have a lot of aging buildings that just wouldn't work for us. Plus, your brick is cream and our brick is red. <laughs> That's sick. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we put that out of our minds and began to plunge into the effort to do here what we believed God was leading us to do. Now, leapfrog back to 2018. It's Monday, January the 8th. It's 4.50 in the afternoon. I will never forget the time. It's 4.50 in the afternoon. It's one of those rare days that I'm going to get to go home at 5 o'clock. doesn't happen very often. I'm packing my stuff up, getting ready to go. I've been spending a lot of the day thinking about the elders meeting that was to be Thursday evening, January the 11th. Because at this elders meeting, the elders were going to make a decision, a final decision on what to recommend to the church in the way of the remodeling expansion program, whatever it is we're going to do, we need to get on with it. And so we were going to make our final decision, and then whatever was decided was going to come back to you for your approval or disapproval so that we could know where we stand and move forward. So at 4.50, my phone rings, and it's Dr. O'Rear. He asks if I will come and pick him up at the university. Of course, I said that I'd be glad to do that without a clue as to why I was doing that. So I drive to the university, and Dr. O'Rear, who is one of my best friends in all the world, hops into my car and says, go this way. So I obediently head in the direction that he told me to. Then he says, do you remember the conversation of two years ago? When I told you we did not want your property. And I said, yes, I do remember it. And he said, well, we've changed our mind. The University of Mary Hardin Baylor would like to have the First Baptist Church property. It's really your land that we need, not your buildings, but we need your land as we continue to grow and expand as 
a university, a growth which has excited all of us that know and love UMHB. If Randy had taken a hammer and hit me in the head, I couldn't have been more shocked. That was not what I was expecting to hear that afternoon. And I, the rest of my conversation to him becomes a bit foggy at this point, but I think I said at that point, Randy, the elders are meeting Thursday night. We're going to make our final decision on our remodeling and expansion. What am I supposed to do with this? And so he said, keep driving. And I did. He took me up Martin Luther King Drive toward Loop 121. We're almost to the loop. And he says, turn in. And I turned in to a very large, very beautiful piece of property that I have passed by hundreds of times in my almost 30 years in Belton, but never really thought much about it except that it looked great. Dr. O'Rear said the university owns this land. And we are going to propose to you and to the church that we give you 36 acres of this land on the hilltop up high. It is gorgeous. 36 acres plus some amount of money yet to be determined in exchange for the property at First Baptist Church in Belton. As I pulled in, he had me stop and he said, look, can you see a church? I could. Incredibly beautiful location at what has become a very major busy intersection. We have 10 acres here, a little over 10 acres here. And so this exchange that is proposed by the university is their 36 for our 10 and our buildings. The location of the property, just in case you're still trying to say, where is this, is to go west on Martin Luther King, used to be Ninth Avenue. Martin Luther King goes right through the heart of the campus. Just before you get to the loop, you look to the right, there's a driveway that goes into the property. It's in the northeast quadrant of that intersection of Loop 121 and Martin Luther King. That's its location. It is one mile from where I'm standing right now. And then Dr. O'Rear said, we will give the church at least 10 years in order to make the transition to the new location. And that is critical for us. And I appreciate that. I'm going to ask that we show slide number one, please. This is an aerial view. The property is in blue. Here is Loop 121. Right there. Here is Martin Luther King. Right there. And here is uh, Nolan Creek boundaries, boundaries, the property in that direction and that direction. And of course, MLK and Loop 121 in that direction. 30, 35.75 acres. I'll just call it 36 so that I don't have to say 0.75 every time. 
That's, that's the property that, that we are, are, are talking about. From January until today, there's been much prayer, consultation with architects on the part of the property management committee, the elders, and the staff. It culminated in the elders' meeting of April the 5th when the elders voted to recommend to the church that we proceed with an agreement with the University of Mary Hardin Baylor that would ultimately mean the relocation of First Baptist Church in Belton. From our position as the church, we are asking for church approval at a call business conference on the 20th of May. From the university's position, their board of trustees will meet on May the 4th, and that day they will vote to approve all of this. So we will have 16 days notice of their decision before we are being asked to make a decision. May I show you slide number two? This is an elevation a little larger, shows you the land. There is a house right there and a barn. Students from UMHB are currently living in that house. Obviously, we would not have any long-term need for the house or the barn, but they are there currently. Right now, the only way onto the property is from Martin Luther King right there. Uh, There are driveways, but they're presently closed off from uh, Loop 121. Church, if we do this, what we will have will be a new, fresh, updated buildings in a new location, one mile from where we are. Now, when many churches relocate, they abandoned, they abandon their neighborhood. The places where they have been for generations, they abandon their neighborhood and they go far away. That's not being critical of their decision. It's just an observation. For us, there would be no abandonment of the neighborhood, for we are only moving, if we do this, one mile. We will still be in the heart of our community and very, very close to the newest dorms at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. Now, architects have been looking at this since January And though final designs certainly have no choices have been made yet, but the architects in looking at this have shared with us that their estimate is that relocating and building afresh would cost several million dollars less than if we stay here, remodel, add on, cobbling it all together over a period of time. And because the university would be giving us 10 years in which to make a transition, we would be able to make the move in two phases. The first phase would be worship and Bible study space, Sunday school space, so that when the time comes to move, our hope is that we can all go at the same time for worship and Bible study. And then in the second phase, we could move our recreational space Um, dining space and other things that we don't have to have from day one at the new location. So we would have flexibility. 
We would design the building so that it is totally accessible to everyone, no more accessibility issues, and that would be a blessing to a lot of people. Now, I want to show you one more slide, and this slide just shows you what a potential church could look like. Please don't look at that and say, oh, that's what they've decided. They haven't decided anything except that this gives you an example of what it could look like with MLK and Loop 121 intersecting right there, facilities close to the intersection so they can be seen with uh, parking that would be uh, probably 300 more parking spaces than we currently have at our present location, all within short walking distance. Uh, These are power lines right here. And our property ends right about where the power lines begin. And we couldn't build down there anyway. UMHB wants to maintain that. And they have a walking trail there now. And so we've even put in a baseball field. That just doesn't say we're going to build one. But uh, it just means you got room. We could if that's something that the church wants to do at some point in time. Now, as your pastor, obviously... um, This is a major, major decision. And I believe we should take this step for the best future of our church as we consider our needs here, but as we consider the explosive growth of our community known as Belton. But the final decision is yours, not mine. And so we are asking you, beginning today, To commit this to prayer. This message is not intended, nor could it possibly answer all the questions that you might have. However, we will do our best to answer those questions over the next several weeks. What I want you to do right now is to watch the screen and see a video.
I would, I guess, ask you the same question Randy O'Rear asked me. Can you see a church in that location? I'm going to invite you to drive by again at the corner of Loop 121 and Martin Luther King, the northeast quadrant. Uh, I'm going to ask that you not drive onto the land except at specified times that I'll share with you. Because there are students living in the house, and we don't want to cause a complication for uh, for them. However, drive by, look at it as often as you like. And over the next two or three weeks, there are members of the staff, including myself, who will be on the property at various times. And I invite you to come and join us. And yes, then you can drive onto the property and walk around, look around. Um, pray. We'll pray together. And so we'll publish this tomorrow morning on the city. But I will be there tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. And Craig Pearson will be there tomorrow night at 5.30. If either of those times fits your schedule. Then Tuesday, Brother Gary will be there at 5.30. On Wednesday, I'll be there at 5.30. And then on Thursday at 3.30, Craig will be there again. And beyond Thursday, there will be other times that we'll decide this week and we'll publish that on the city so that you will know when we will be there. But I encourage you to go by, get out of your car, walk around, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now, I read today... Uh, you're not about to get a 30-minute sermon. I'm just, I'm wrapping this up, okay? Don't want to scare you. I don't want to automatically cause you to be against everything that I've talked about. <laughs> From Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22, 23, and 24. The Scripture says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Faithful God, faithful future. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his character. God is faithful to his people. God is faithful to his word. He will do what he says he will do. And there will be no wavering with him. There is no shadow of turning with him. No guessing. No changing expectations. One of the lessons I learned early as a parent was the importance of consistency with our children in saying to them, if something is right today, it's right tomorrow. If something is wrong today, it's wrong tomorrow. Because it was important that they understand what they could and could not do as our children. I am thankful that God is consistent. He is true to his word and with him there is no wavering. He has promised to guide us through the Holy Spirit. He will keep his word. God is faithful to his character. He is holy. He is just. He is loving. He is merciful. And he is knowable. And he is unchanging. And God is faithful to his people. I believe as the people of God, we will know what God wants us to do. I know that there are a lot of emotions involved in a decision like this. There certainly is for me. After nearly 30 years of pastoring and the last 20 of those preaching in this room and baptisms and weddings and funerals and just seeing you every week places a lot of emotion in this room and in these buildings for me. So I do not take a recommendation to relocate Lightly, I take it very, very seriously. And I know that you will also. Remember this. This is important. If we can figure it out on our own, then it isn't of God. We can do nothing apart from Him. And He will do what seems Undoable. Faithful God, faithful future. And if we do this, it will without question be a step of faith. This is a decision not just for us seated in this room. And I know you understand that. This is a decision for our children, for our grandchildren. And for the generations yet to come who will come to this place way, way beyond today and way beyond the lifetime of many of us seated here today. This is a decision of great importance. And so now we turn our hearts and minds and ask God what would you have us do?
In a moment, we're going to close this service as we close every service. And that is with an invitation. An opportunity for someone here to give his or her life to Jesus. Been a different kind of service today, hasn't it? But the Holy Spirit is in this room. And right now, He is speaking to someone. And if that someone is you, then I'm going to ask you to leave your seat, meet me right here at the front, place your hand in mine, and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, to open God's Word, to share with you, so that this day, you can invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. You sense the tugging of the Holy Spirit. I pray and plead with you, come in a moment when we stand and sing. Father, you are a good and a great God. And we love you and we adore you and we worship you. And we acknowledge the immensity of a decision that you have placed before us. And Father, we want to have the mind of Christ, and we want to make the decision that is for the glory of God, for the reaching of people in Belton and Bell County, not only right now, but for the generations to come. So Father, as a church family, as we pray and ponder and seek your will, I pray that you will speak very clearly to us. That when it's time for us to decide, we will have the mind of Christ and be unified in whatever direction you may lead us. Now in the quietness of this moment, there is a man or a woman, a boy or a girl in this room who needs Jesus. I pray that you will draw that one or those several to yourself in great power, irresistibly at this moment. And we'll thank you in advance for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.